Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast, concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to the LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting and the columnist at PLSN for LD at Large. I am here today with my good friend, Michael Cooper of Road Wi-Fi, as well as a longtime friend and designer programmer. We thought that we would have a little discussion today about some upcoming uh, projects that he's working on. And we also wanted to cover something that has been a real hot button for me and a lot of people that I know. We've had a lot of discussions about who is allowed to discuss their opinion and how people are discussing their opinions online and how social media and the globalization of our industry is kind of leading a lot of people to have different opinions and want to express their opinions and how that can affect our livelihood and basically our, our paycheck. So Mike, thanks, thanks so much for coming to, to visit. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. So uh, first off, I want to I want to tell everybody about what you're working on, which is Road Wi-Fi. Can you tell us a little bit about what Road Wi-Fi is and why we all need to embrace it? Sure. Uh, we uh, you know we make uh, touring uh, offices in a box basically. So uh, you've seen them on the road, undoubtedly. Um, pretty crucial infrastructure for a tour these days. Um, one thing I was thinking about uh, to talk about on this was what's the second thing that a roadie says when he walks into the building every morning? Past the, you know, where's catering? So what's the Wi-Fi password, right? Absolutely. So uh, it, when, it's often the first for me. I don't, I don't drink coffee, so often it's the first thing I ask for. Yeah. So you know, with the with the touring Wi-Fi system, you know, your tour has the same password every day. Um, Production gets, you know, a lot more benefits out of that. The phone systems, uh, you know, a good quality printer that's worldwide voltage and, uh, you know, all kinds of good stuff. Um, beyond tours, uh, we do festivals as well and and other uh, special event markets and just provide connectivity there. I so. remember having to be held hostage by local Wi-Fi stuff. You go into some venues and they want to charge you $10 a day. Some people want to charge you $150 a day for, for the worst possible quality of Wi-Fi too. Absolutely. And I can only imagine it was just a natural progression for you. It's, you saw a problem and you just you're like, Hey, I have a, I have a much better solution. Well, that was it. You know, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, uh, my production manager uh, said, we got to figure this out and I don't care what it takes, figure it the fuck out. And we did. And uh, while well, you were there at the beginning, uh, we started out into hard rock uh, when I was beta testing this stuff um, <laughs> many moons ago. But uh, yeah, it was a it was born out of necessity. Um, 
you know, fast forward, what are we, seven, eight years old now? Um, you know, fast forward now, venues have come around quite a bit and have invested a lot of, you know, a lot of money in their infrastructure. So it's not nearly as terrible as it used to be. But, uh, you know, when we started, it certainly was an issue, especially, you know, traveling the world, which that part still is an issue. So, uh, yeah. How many machines do you have out on the road and at festivals now? Uh, we've got about 60 touring systems. Um, and then we've got three festival systems. Um, we have some smaller, uh, rigs called LTE rigs, um, which we rent out to people who don't have a hard line connection. Um, those are handy for like, you know, brand activation, Stella Artois, Coca-Cola, um, you know, that kind of thing. I remember when you just had, when you were still building one and it was just out of necessity in the fact that your PM needed the same phone number. He needed the same, the same password every single day. And it was just frustrating to go from venue to venue. And I can only imagine what it was like before stuff like this, where people had to, they had to constantly change their phone number. (laughs) They constantly had to have the, the calling cards and you'd be at the mercy of your local venue. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a large cost savings too. Like I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, pretty impressive cost savings too because venues were charging like two hundred dollars a night for a phone line you take that times you know six or ten phone lines that a tour may need every day four shows a week do the math real quick you know you're looking at a few thousand dollars a week in just phone lines so you know that makes you know our system made a whole lot of sense um for those uh you know larger tours that have to have phone lines and the fact they keep that same number all over the world they can print it in the tour book the you know business manager has it so, you know, the account's phone number is always the same. It's not, oh, what, what what city are they in today? <laughs> what area code do I need to be looking for on my phone? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, the way the, the global society is, you, it's all necessary. You can't, uh, you can't be even down for a day because we don't, we don't advance tours the way we did even a decade ago. You can, I can advance a show four days, five days out now. I didn't have, before you had to have six months out yeah, because you needed that phone call. And now we're advancing things a week out and (laughs) you need to be connected at all times. Yep. Well, everything's on the cloud now. Um, You know, even five years ago, it wasn't nearly as cloud-based. Everybody still had their folder on their desktop, you know, that they'd have a, a, an external that, you know, they carried around and backed it up every day in case something happened on the road and the laptop got stolen or whatever. You know, that's not the case anymore. Everything's sitting on Dropbox or Google Drive. Yeah. Um, so you walk into a venue and yeah, you have to have breakfast, but you have to have internet to be able to work, you know, uh, down to, you know, vendor staff and, and the moving light repair guy, all those manuals are online, you know, we're not carrying those around anymore. You know, so, oh, thank God. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's an indispensable technology. And you know, one of the great things that we've got going right now is we're going to start uh, a new office in Nashville. Um, we, a funny story, we originally started Road Wi-Fi in Nashville. Uh, my business partner, Jeremy, with Road Radios, um, he had moved to Nashville to start an office. And uh, a topic, a fresh topic, uh, he had a couple tornado threats and moved back to Los Angeles because, uh, you know, you can take the boy out of California, right? <laughs> um, ironically, fast forward, you know, seven years, eight years, I forget when it was 2013, seven years. 
Um, yeah, fast forward seven years and I'm uh, buying office furniture for, uh, for our new office in Nashville and a tornado rose through and almost destroyed soundcheck. <laughs> so, uh, that was an interesting night. Um, obviously didn't get much work done on Tuesday cause there was no power, um, and could barely get to the, uh, you know, they had roads closed and top golf was destroyed and what a terrible, um, terrible amount of destruction. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, hopefully not a, an omen for the Nashville office. <laughs> anyway, we're starting a new office in Nashville, and it should be open here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I've heard that if uh, if it rains on your wedding day, it's going to be a successful marriage. So if you have a tornado on uh, move-in day, maybe that's a really good omen. And I hope so. Right on. So we've just uh, talked about some of the things that we're doing to overcome the global online cloud-based touring industry. I also wanted to take some time to talk about some of the negatives of the online global touring industry. And this recently came up where a friend of mine told me about a, a person who was a, a prime candidate for a show. And the person who was going to be employing this gentleman looked at their Facebook and then decided that they should not be on that show. Do you know what, did you, uh, did you have a chance to talk about that event? Recently? I did. I did. And I got some more information um, and it wasn't quite as nefarious as it sounded, okay. uh, but still pretty troubling. So um, the, we'll leave names out of it, of course, but um, the person in question was, um, he was going to do a rally for uh, Donald Trump, right? Okay. And the uh, production, um, the sorry, the production company, I believe that was going to hire this person, uh, for that gig, uh, decided to go back and look through. And I don't know if this came from Trump's campaign. I don't know if it came from just the production company covering their ass. Uh, but they went back, I don't know, three years and found something that he'd retweeted that wasn't, um, wasn't exactly, um, you know, Trump friendly. It wasn't bad, like at all, but it was still one of those things where the conversation had to be had, Hey, can you go ahead and delete this? before we hire you for this gig. So he ended up doing the gig. Um, okay. okay. But, but interestingly enough, uh, you know, that was, that could have been a barrier and, you know, that was three years ago. That was something that really wasn't offensive or, you know, um, or anything like that. So imagine, you know, these days with everyone in their vitriol on both sides, um, you know, get, you know, getting the opportunity to do a gig like that for, you know, a sitting president and, and, you know, not getting it because, um, you know, your, uh, your soapbox is too tall on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so in this case, we have a kind of a unique window into the event happening because 99 times out of a hundred, nobody's going to say anything about that. They're just going to be like, well, clearly I just can't hire that guy. And they're going to move on to the next person. Sure. Um, I know that as a, uh, as a voice in the industry, I'm very vocal and I doubt that anybody would ever tell me if, if that had happened to me because my Facebook feed is not, is, is exactly my, my Facebook feed is definitely not Trump friendly. I try and keep it to the, to a minimum of things that I think will actually make a difference. But in this case, this person was actually willing to say, Hey, look, this happened. And yeah. in rock and roll and in industry, that's, 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 that's rare. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot of, 
a lot of knock-on effects there. Um, you know, who who is making the decision? Does it come to the artist? Because I know a lot of artists that aren't, you know, that wouldn't have a, a second thing to go, oh, yeah, well, wait, you, you like that guy? No, you're out, you know, <laughs> just because the amount of hatred. And uh, I, I don't know if it's the same on both sides. I don't know if it's balanced. Do you think it's balanced? Oh, I, I'm positive that there are uh, there are brilliant people and there are complete idiots on both sides. Oh no, yeah, that part for sure. But the uh, the level of judgment, I guess, or public uh, judgment. That's a tough one because I, as far as judgment for taking a gig, or are you talking about political judgment? Just yeah, just as a. Well, maybe both because I guess it okay, one so- affects the other. So I, I have these conversations on headset fairly often because I think it's it's important for us to be talking about this stuff. But I uh, I wonder if I would take a gig to something that I completely disagreed with. Like I, I'm uh, I'm not a religious person per se. I, I, I I'm self uh, identify as agnostic. But I take church gigs all the time, and I and I have no problem with that. I I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm judging them, nor do I feel like they're judging me. I just feel like we disagree, and I'm not going to let that get in the way of a paycheck. Is that the sort of judgment you're talking about? Yeah, sure. So yeah, um, in that regard, I'll take any gig short of a KKK rally. I just because right. I disagree with somebody, I'm going to take it. Well, I, that, I, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I got hit up. Um, you know, I got hit up from a, uh, a, uh, <laughs> quote, healthcare provider. Um, <laughs> and, and they were looking for, they hit me up online for, for a Wi-Fi quote. And I was like, am I going to do this gig? And, and sure enough, I, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Um, there's no, you know, that money's green as well. And there shouldn't be any judgment there for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, it kind of comes back to the, the bake shop thing where if, uh, if he sells cakes, if if he sells wedding cakes, then he should sell a wedding cake to a couple of any sexual orientation. And I, I, I support that. But at the same time, I, I also realize that he's selling his art form. Sure. So if somebody came in and I was so violently opposed to somebody's message, I don't know if I would be as willing to put my art form and my expression into their project. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Right. If the government has the the right to force him to do something like that, he doesn't want to do what's stopping the government from making you do that KKK rally that you didn't want to do, you know? Um, so that's, that's the sticky gray area for that, you know, uh, uh, on that one for me, it's like, well, what, why does the government care about any of this anyway? You know, it, this isn't something like, uh, you know, this isn't slavery. Um, you know, not, not nearly to that level or, or Jim Crow laws or something like that. You know, we're talking about a cake guys, you know? So I don't, yeah. So, I don't so this is, is uh, before we get into this one too much, this is one of the things I love about our relationship. You and I have probably disagreed on most everything that I can imagine and yet you and I have been at the bars until four in the morning until I come home and my wife's like, where have you been? I'm like, I've been out talking with one of my best friends in the industry, Michael Cooper. And she's like, what are you guys talking about? About, We're talking what? about everything. <laughs> and, 
and we come in the next day and we shake hands and we're like, yeah, I totally disagree with you. And, and I'm not going to let that stop me from putting together some beautiful light shows. And I, I wish that we could support this more in the industry. Like, Hey, you guys, just because we disagree does not mean we can't love and like each other. Yeah. And I don't, I don't necessarily see a lot of that on the ground and I don't know, maybe you do, but I don't see a lot of, uh, you know what you, you, uh, you know, you lean this way politically, I'm not going to rent you lights or I'm not going to rent you a sound system or I'm not going to rent you Wi-Fi, or, uh, you know, you can't be part of this crew or, or I don't see a lot of that unless you're talking, you know, I mean that one specific case that we had earlier with that one Facebook post that needed to be deleted. Um, other than that, like on a day-to-day basis, you know, I mean, I have friends on, on a, a few different tours right now that completely disagree with me on a lot of things, but it's the same thing. Like, are we really that polarized or is it just real easy to spout your mouth off on social media about what, you know, you know, and I don't know, what are you seeing on the ground? I I agree. I agree that if you look at it purely from a social media standpoint, it looks far worse than it actually is. However, I have been suspect a few times where I got, I got let go or I was not asked back and I, and I'm not sure why. And my, my brain kind of leads to maybe, maybe they didn't like something I posted. Maybe they didn't like something I said. Maybe they totally disagree with me. And like I said, I, I, it's almost invisible. How would you would actually require somebody to say, Hey, I'm not going to sell you this cake because I don't support your lifestyle. Sure. That's rare. We, how would yeah, I know? level of honesty is not, not, uh, <laughs> well, it's not required, right? Why would Absolutely. you have that conversation? You know, if you don't need to, if it's just like, yeah, we don't want to listen to this guy talk about politics anymore. You know, we're just not going to have him back, but that's fair enough. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but, um, yeah. you know, um, if the tables were turned, you know, and you made that decision, would you want to have that conversation with somebody? I don't, I don't know. I would, I, uh, but I'm I'm ridiculously vulnerable and honest most of the time. Uh, I would be willing to because I don't think that I would. I don't think I would fire or let opinions get in the way. So I I wouldn't have a problem talking about it. Sure. I don't know if ever anybody as many people are as willing to be vulnerable and and open all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm the same. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm honest to a fault. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I, I guess it's part of my charm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think it comes through in our, our art that you're like, Hey, I'm willing to go there. If that's where you want to go. Yeah. Um, luckily I've had the pleasure of working with most, mostly liberal leaning artists i've never had to put up a thing where i disagreed with it most of the times i've come to my artists and said hey today is international women's day can we put up a thing for that and they're like yes we can today is uh, autism awareness day can i put up a thing for the open for the walk-in and they're like yes we can absolutely do that sure. i've never had anybody come to me and say hey we need to come up and talk about the, uh, how pro-life I am. It just hasn't happened to me yet. And I sure. think 
that's a, a problem for a lot of people who are more conservative is that our industry is generally liberal leaning. Right. Well, I mean, it's arts, right? So that's kind of the way it is. It'd be like saying, you know, there's a conservative journalist. That's just not, it's not a thing, you know? Um, As as a more conservative person, does that, does that affect you? Do you get, do you see that more than I do? Not, no, not, not at all. Um, I get, um, but this is just a personal thing, not on a work level. Like I get annoyed when some of my favorite artists go spouting off about, you know, politics um, and it's just like, oh man, really? <laughs> you know, um, but back to our conundrum here with the social media thing, everybody's got a big ass microphone and, and it's, and it's good. One thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, and I think this is a good segue to it. When my, my friend and I, uh, here at home, we talk about this a lot. We're both on the conservative side and, um, we we feel like the the parties have shifted or something has shifted. And I've had this conversation with a handful of people and no one really agrees with me. But me and my buddy Jeff, we both, like, we always hated censorship. We've always been down with equal rights. We've always been down with all of these causes that right now would, I mean, well, anytime you would think we're more liberal causes, right? Um, but now it seems like, uh, the left leaning side of the country is trying to throw those out or some of those things out in, um, you know, in solidarity with, you know, trans rights or something like that. So let's get rid of the first amendment and take away your free speech because it's offensive, but that's kind of the charm of the first amendment is in this country, you can say offensive things like that's part of it. That's baked into the cake. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like the parties may have shifted? Because I, I think that the priorities of the two have, they're, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, up until four or five years ago, you would, I would be on the left. I, w- I would. Okay. And, uh, no, I in, in feel like full something form and full fashion, I 100% disagree with you again. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I don't know if you expected that or not, but I absolutely disagree with you. Well, I'm trying to get a get a better uh, thermometer on it. Or okay, so, so first of all, the First Amendment merely prevents the government from telling you what you can't say and what you what you can and can't say against the government. It does okay. not prevent you from libel. It doesn't prevent uh, slander. We still have protections against libel. We have protections against slander. We have protections against discrimination. We have protections against uh, uh, incitement. We, the, I feel the First Amendment is not unlimited. Right. Um, and I agree with that. Okay. So if I were to uh, say, hey, Mike Cooper's a real shithead and he does a terrible job at what he does, and uh, I also think that he was a KKK member, then I'm lying. What I'm saying is I'm actually lying. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to cause harm to you, not physical, but probably financial. And I feel like somebody should come to me and say, "Hey, you can't say that because you're lying." Right. But society should sort that out and would, right? Like it, it shouldn't be the government's problem. If 
who's going like to the government me? shouldn't be able to tell you that you couldn't say that. Like you should be able to say that all day long. Right? But I'm li- but I'm but I'm lying and I'm hurting you. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't that the government has no place in this conversation. Well, then me and you have a problem now. But who, me and you gonna and stop me? Saying, no. Who's going to stop me from saying? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's a different conversation, but well, it's not, it's not, I don't feel like it's the government's duty or job to, to try to police what you say about me. Like, it's not. I, okay. Not, well, let's say you, you're being harmed. You're actually losing money because of what I'm saying. And I'm saying it online and I'm saying it to all of your clients and I'm like, Hey, Cooper's a KKK member. You, you should. Well, then him. we, then we would be talking about the libel lawsuits and stuff like that. The, the protections that are in place. Right. Um, and th- those, I don't necessarily have a problem with. It's uh, it's the government saying, oh, no, you have to say this instead of this or, uh, you know, or Chris, you can't say that. No, you, sh- you can still say it. I may sue you, but right. it's not the government's it's not the government's place to tell you that you can't say it. If you want to say it, if you hate me that much, you go right ahead, buddy. You know what I mean? Um, again, back to the government being way too involved in everything. It doesn't need to be. It's not it's not its purpose. OK, well, that brings me back to my question. Like, who's going to stop me from saying that? Nobody. You can say it all you want, and I can sue you all I want. Right, and if you sue me, eventually we're going to the government to solve this issue for us. Sure, to a judge, yeah. Right, That's and true. then what are they? What are they going to charge me with? Why? Well, They're going to say, right, which is the government telling me what I can and can't say. I didn't tell you you can't say it. You just got to pay a fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. So now we've set a precedent. Like, okay, you can't say that Michael Goober is a KKK member. So now that's a law, and there's a precedent that says there's a book in the government stash that says you can't say that Michael Cooper is a member of the KKK. That's so now we, you and I just came to a conclusion. They're like, okay, well, you can't say that. And we need the government to log that for us. Okay, fair enough. So we just solved the problem by using the government to tell me what I can't say. I guess so. So now to take that to a smaller or to a more broad case, let's say I want to say that, uh, let's say I want to misgender somebody and they say, please don't misgender me. And the person continues to do it. And then they, they keep doing it. And they're like, okay, look, I, I, I need you to stop misgendering me. And now I'm going to sue you. And so now we have to have this discussion again, and we have to figure out where those lines intersect. Like, where, where's the difference between, hey, you called me the wrong name and my, my feelings are hurt, or, hey, you were saying something that's actually affecting my well-being. Right. And is getting your feelings hurt affecting your well-being, or is it just getting your feelings hurt? And I want to I want to tread lightly on this one, um, but I think I think these situations should just be handled with grace, right? If you're being an asshole and just calling the person the wrong, even after they've asked you multiple times, maybe you're just an asshole and you should get smacked in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, just for being rude. Um, and I think as a society, we are and should be raising our children to be better people than that. Absolutely. Um, we, we, and, that's one spot we absolutely agree upon. And, uh, yeah. So as far where the government comes into that and how do you, uh, you know, how do you classify a hate crime versus, a, you know, um, you know, someone, uh, jerking around too long and, and maybe trying to make a joke too hard or, 
I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm probably guilty of this. Um, <laughs> okay. you know, um, but I, again, trying to take it with grace and, and, and respecting people. I think that's, uh, I think that's the move forward there. Okay. I feel like in tribal hunter gatherer times, it would have gone to, it would have gone to the strongest person in the, in the group. It would say like, Hey, look, Michael Cooper called me a name and Chris called me a name and you're bigger and stronger. Can you assert your might and make right here? And one of us would get punched in the mouth and they'd be like, okay, you learned your lesson. Yeah. But now in a, in a more state driven, larger global society, I feel like we're trying to avoid anybody getting punched in the mouth and we're trying to like, Hey, look, we have, we've solved these problems without resorting to violence in the past. Let's just apply the same reason and logic moving forward. Sure. So we've already learned that uh, if you're going to make a certain bunch of people sit in the back of the bus and a certain bunch of people sit in the front of the bus, we can't do that because that leads to negative results. Right. So now we've just like, okay, so everybody who wants to sit in the front of the bus can sit in the front of the bus and everybody wants to sit in the back of the bus and you can't tell them not to. And if you try and tell them not to, we're going to use all of our force to tell you that you can't do that anymore. Uh, maybe I was too vague there, but... No, I, I understand what you're saying. The, the government does need to step in in some points, is, is your point, I believe, right? Yes. Um, because they are currently the, uh, the chief of the tribe and can make things right, right? Only through the fact that we've given them, them that power, not in the fact that they... Not in they might make right scenario anymore more in the sure we've asked you to take care of this for us because we sure. can't sort it out ourselves apparently because you can't punch people bus. in the face anymore if you could exactly. just punch people in the face this problem would never get that far It'd be like okay <laughs> well, we just don't say that anymore you know <laughs> it was so much more simple it's easy You're right it was so much more simple but but now i think we're moving towards less punches in the mouth i think that's the end goal here and now we're, uh, you know, now we're punching people metaphorically uh, with our Facebook post, right? We're we're blocking people on on Facebook now, and we're just like, well, I don't want to rent you my lights or let you sit at my console now <laughs> instead of punches in the mouth. Yeah, but yeah. Back to, that, you know, back to social media not being, uh, you know, not being the, the uh, a good barometer. That's the word, barometer, not thermometer. Um, you know, of the situation on the ground. Like, I just don't, I, I don't have these conversations like in a professional atmosphere. Like we don't, you know, we're not doing that. I feel like it should be more accepted that, you know, people of like you and I who disagree on quite a bit of things, uh, you know, talking things through because, uh, you know, it's important. It's important to get the other side, you know, you get in echo chambers and social media is the worst for that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, I'm only going to follow this guy. And I'm 100% guilty of this. My Twitter feed is one giant silo. <laughs> um, so. Oh, so you, uh, let's, let's, we should work on, well, you've been off Facebook for quite a while, actually. You've been. Yeah, uh, it's been like eight Instagram. or nine years. Yeah, I saw that you're back on Facebook. Welcome back. It's good to have you again. Uh, Thanks. I'm I trying actually, to avoid it still. I go out of my way to actually follow uh, people from the opposite side. And I do get uh, a lot of things that I'm like, Oh, well, that's actually a pretty valid point. Yep. Uh, I follow things like Prager and Ben Shapiro and 
a lot of the people that I disagree with and I feel like it actually balances my, my feet out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I would go stark raving liberal. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I need to, I need to listen to some other podcasts, uh, you know, on the other side, you have any good, uh, left-leaning podcasts to, to share that aren't just, you know, Oh, you know, got Bernie, um, you know, tattoos. <laughs> I, uh, I do love 99% invisible, uh, which is part of the entire NPR team. Uh, I love okay. them. Uh, I'll send you some of the stuff afterwards. Uh, uh, they're my, they're my go-to. It's mostly about design and all the invisible parts of design and why things are the way they are. Got it. But, uh, what kind of design? Everything, everything, uh, all the way down to door handles and curb ramps and why we have curb ramps and <laughs> what uh, a good door handle should look like and how if you, if you don't have to write push on a door and you just know to push, that's right. good design because it's invisible. Right. That's, that's the gist of it. Or if, if you walk up to a door and you just know to pull it without a giant flashing thing that says pull, <laughs> that's just good design. and. But that's just the the jumping off point, but it's it's actually a very, I would say it's very left leaning in that regard. Uh, the entire NPR, sure, team is I would say left leaning, liberally discussion. Uh, but no, I'm I'm a book reader. Uh, I do lots of audio audible, and one of the ones I think that you'll you'll really love. I just finished is called Civilized to Death. <laughs> that sounds fun which is it actually talks about the the dangers of progress and progress in the name of progress is going to kill us. Yep. Progress in the name of solving problems is is the path forward, not I'm going to have to read that cuz I agree with that statement completely. Yes. Uh I'll send it to you. It's a Christopher Ryan, he's a, he's a great author. He's got, he also wrote uh, another one called Sex at Dawn, which I've, Candy, I've read that one. Candy Bloom, Candy, uh, send that one to me. And, yep, that uh, one's good. Yeah. It's a little it's, science, scientific-y. It gets, it gets deep in the science of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, what I try and do out on tours, I'll try and mention a book that I'm reading, and I'll try and have very long conversations on headset. Have you ever, do you do that? It's uh, like with the spot ops? Yeah. Mm, not in a while. I, I don't do lights all the time anymore, so. Okay. So on a couple of my most recent tours, I would, I mean, it became like the highlight of the show. We would, in between the opening and the, the headliner, we had about, depending on the night, we had between, we were supposed to have 30 minutes, but anytime time we would have up to an hour and a half. And uh, we would just talk about everything under the sun. And we had people from all over the world and we would have new spot ops. So I had two spot ops that stayed with me and they knew what was going to be going and they would kind of act as moderators. (laughs) And we would have the most interesting conversations and we were all adults about it. And as soon as the show started, we're like, okay, everybody shut up. We, we all, uh, we were all adults and we had a great conversation and, uh, Man, that would be a really about, cool. That'd be a really cool side avenue to this podcast. Next time you're on the road, if you can get an audio, like record your ClearCom feed. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying? If it was just a just a side lane, you know, like Joe Rogan has his MMA things, it's like 
it's on his podcast, but it's like a separate thing. Like you can uh-huh. do that. Like, you know, Chicago nights. You know, Ooh, that would be good. Outside. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Sadly, I've kind of stepped out of the being on the headset as well. Now that I work for Ayrton as yep. a designer relations, but uh, yeah, I would be interested in doing that. Yeah. Cause that, that could be an interesting, uh, interesting listen. We were ended up in Washington with my crew chief, Ronnie Beal, who's pro second amendment. I'm pro limited second amendment. And when we were in Washington, we came up with a, a stagehand crew that was absolutely second amendment absolutist. And we probably had the best conversation I can remember. It was <laughs> thankfully they, we must've gone for an hour and a half. And at the end of the discussion, we all had kind of moved closer center. It was, it was amazing. Yep. Yep. The gun arguments always, uh, I think my favorite because everybody likes guns, but right, left center doesn't matter. Everybody likes guns. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm an ardent supporter of the second amendment. I think, um, you know, more guns means less violence. Um, just statistically, but um, I, I totally understand the point of, well, do we need to arm the teachers? Maybe not. Like, um, y- you know, maybe we have a better way to handle that situation, um, which is all worth talking about. Yeah, especially in our industry, the way things are going. We, uh, I, one of my most popular articles was talking about guns in our industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you got a chance to read that one, but I got... Most most times I share my articles, people respond online. But that was one of the ones where I got most feedback <laughs> through my through my DMs or through my email. People were like, "Hey, I don't want to say this out loud, but uh, thank you for that article." And also, you're an idiot, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's you know, and that's that's uh, that's one of the points of this conversation is to make people uh, less afraid, I guess, to talk about it out loud. Like, yeah. And I understand we don't need a 30, you know, 3000 uh, post comment feed on, you know, on your article. Maybe it's easier to have a phone call real quick. Um, but, you know, why are people, why are some people in a closet? You know, why, why do some people feel like they can't speak out loud um, in this day and age? And, and, and that's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I, sometimes I'll find people online and we've just finished a conversation and I'll see some of their posts and be like, Oh my God, I had, I had no idea that you think that that's true. And, and sometimes you can discuss things online behind the, the screen that you just can't discuss in person. Sure. Or hopefully they're doing it for the best reason. Like, you know what? I don't know enough about that topic. I don't want to discuss it with you. But then they go online and they they discover something and they they're so excited about it they decide to share it, right? So I, I don't know the answer to if that was a question. I don't know the where where the line is drawn there. Yeah, I don't either. It seems to be well. I mean, you and I had this conversation in email on you know leading up to this. It's like, what are we going to talk about and how do we keep it uh, a little more vanilla, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause we can get off in the weeds on any of these if you want to go, <laughs> but I don't know if it's, I, I think the us. most interesting <laughs> one is, is the cake thing. I would love to talk to you about the cake thing because I think 
that touches on our industry just as much as anything. Okay. I think that if I offer lighting design, I need to offer lighting design equally. I think that no matter what that person comes in, if they're black, if they're old, if they're young, if they're female, if they're pansexual, if they're whatever, I feel like I should offer them the same price for the same lighting, regardless of who they are. Right. But earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you would not do a gig for the KKK. So if David Duke's uh, campaign team came up to you and said, hey, we need you to cover this rally. Can you light this up for us? What would you say? I would say no. Okay. Okay. Just like the, just like the cake baker said no, because he didn't believe in it. Right. Here's, here's the difference. People can decide to be hateful, ignorant, or bigoted. People can't decide if they're old, young, black, trans. Sure. But the cake baker can also decide if he wants to, serve someone they, they so the cake baker is obviously religious right in that right. case and and his religious beliefs don't don't subscribe to this like you and i both agree that there's nothing wrong with a gay couple going in and grabbing a cake we agree right 100 percent. right i don't i don't think that he should have been discriminated against but that's not my belief i know people here in southeast missouri where i live um, you know, that would not bake the cake just because they don't believe in it. The Bible says, no, like that's not the way marriage is supposed to be. And that's what they believe. Right. And they have the right to believe that just like you and I have the right to believe that we should have baked the cake. But the, the point is the government doesn't have any, any voice in this, just like the government doesn't get to tell you to do the lights for the KKK. They can't tell the, the, the religious baker to bake the cake for something that he doesn't believe in. You and I may believe it's wrong. But I'm sure the KKK guys think it's wrong that you decided not to because, you know, whatever. Right. So, you know, it's, 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 it's down to what powers do we want to give the government? And that's my argument on this. Okay. So here's the, here's the difference again is that he's using his deeply held religious beliefs, and I'm using air quotes here, to be discriminatory and bigoted, whereas I know – many people probably more so that read the same book they believe the same thing he does except they're they wouldn't discriminate or they don't think that homosexuality or gay marriage is wrong so i feel like he's hiding behind his religious beliefs to be bigoted so i think it's a smokescreen i think he is actually discriminating based on sexual orientation and he's throwing up a front saying it's because of my religious beliefs well, that may be true. I but think it I, is true. I, but I don't, I don't know that. And again, you know, uh, that same amendment that, uh, that says, I, I'm going to screw this up because I'm not that up on it, but I, I believe the same amendment that says you can have uh, sexual freedom says you can have religious freedom too, right? So whose yes. rights get trampled here? One of these people's rights are going to get trampled. But it's, religious it's, a weird, it's a weird gray area in the Constitution, right? Religious freedoms end when they're when you affect somebody else. All all rights end when they affect somebody else. But he didn't shoot them. No, he just didn't make them a cake. He did deny them service. That's not harming them at all. 
that's a free country. They can walk across the street to the other banker that will happily take their money. And okay, guess who's well, going to go out of business first, right? Society well, that, fixes a lot of these things. In, in my no. opinion, like a free market does. Absolutely, it does. How, how is that different from Rosa Parks? The guy's like, well, you can sit on the bus, but you can't sit in the front of the bus because you're black. How is that different? He's like, well, I'll bake you a cake, but I won't bake you a wedding cake because you're gay. It's not. When was Rosa Parks? Like 50 years ago? Yeah. Okay. Look at how much this whole society has changed since then, right? Well, thanks to the Civil Rights Act. Not just thanks to it, right? Well, people realize that there is a market there. Like the market will solve these things. And now, did it need a little kickstart from the government? One hundred and fifty percent, for sure. Okay, because um, <laughs> that shit was out of control, and no, not okay at all. Agreed. Um, and but my my point being is is you know eventually, right? There's going to be enough uh, a, a demand for uh, you know gay people getting married to necessitate another cake shop that will serve them and guess who's going to go out of business the religious guy who refused to do it because he may be a closet bigot or maybe he just really believes this who knows but the point being is the money's not going to him anymore because he is a dumbass and didn't take the money he you know he's forfeited that business to someone else and someone else will undoubtedly come up to the plate and bake that damn cake Absolutely. I think we found that I think we just disagree on the, the level of what that kickstart is, but I think we're pretty close to understand to coming to a, a centrist, a central view here. Yeah. And I, I'm yes, I fully when, believe in the, uh, in the free market sorting things out as well. You know, when, the, when the government gets to it, so that I'm more libertarian, I guess, um, on, on most things, government wise, I want them out of my life. I don't want them to talk to me. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, so if the government has to step in and say, you have to bake the cake, then I, I'm going to always kind of default to the, no, get out of here, government. Kind of, This is not, get in your lane, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and I love that. I love that part of libertarian, but I feel like you're denying all the services that you're getting from the government that allow you to do business. It, without the government protection right now, you would have to be fighting off hordes of invaders and, and you, the streets that you drive on, you're like, well, I need some amount of government support until they want to tell you what not to do. Yes. So the government is in the position of serving us. Agreed. hundred percent. We, I, I feel like a lot of times lately, this is being confused where, um, where a lot of people think that rights come from the government, Right. I agree. Uh, where, you know, well, we need the government to prop this up. We need the government to do this. We need the government to give us this. We need, that's not it. The government exists to protect our rights and to do things for the common good, like roads and, you know, and schools even. Right. Like, let's, you know, but out of all of the things that the government does, what's it best at? It's only good at writing checks. That, that it does very well. Um, you know, people get their, uh, their social security checks and their Medicaid checks right on time every month. Doesn't, they don't miss a beat, right? They're good at taking money and sending money, making roads. You got a lot of really nice roads, you know, are the schools really great? Well, I live in Canada, so but well, the, you the in yes, Vegas, but, though. <laughs> uh, in Vegas, yes, we had nice roads and we had some schools, but 
Yeah. So, you know, and that varies from wherever you're at, you know, Absolutely. most of the time, uh, you know, Missouri, for example, doesn't have a single toll road and we have decent roads. They're not the best, but they're better than Illinois. And Illinois has a bunch of toll roads, you know, and higher taxes and, 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 you know, so, you know, that, that varies from, you know, from locale, but the point being is I don't want the government involved in every single thing. Like they don't, they, you know, well, let's, let's ask it like this. If Donald, you know, <laughs> this is one of my favorite arguments with the second amendment is like, <laughs> Trump's evil. Please take our guns. <laughs> you know, that was a, a, an argument there for a little while, you know, with all the mass shootings going on. It's like, well, which one is it? Do you want to trust the government or do you not? Um, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a live, you know, topic too. But the point he, being, he is the only one who has actually written any laws to take anything away from the, the people without due cause. Which uh, was the bump stock. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that's, that's one of the most overreaching uh, regulations I've seen in, in recent history in the gun, in the gun game. Yeah. But you know, to- toys like that, do we need them? You know, I mean, I can shoot an AR pretty damn fast. Do I need a bump stock to make it faster? You know, would the bump stock not being in Vegas had a big effect on that? I you think know? that's exactly the argument from the left, though, isn't it? Like, well, do you really need that? So why well, can't no, you just exactly. take it away? Exactly. That's why we all agreed on it and it's gone, right? Well, we didn't um, agree on it. He just did it through executive order, executive. Uh... You don't hear a lot of backlash about it, though, right? You don't hear the gun community, you know, freaking out about it. I don't. And oh, I get I the NRA emails. <laughs> oh, I did yeah. for quite a while. Uh, but yeah, okay, so let's say, why don't you take, how far can you take that logic? Well, AR-15s, we don't really need that. Why don't we just have exe- Donald Trump sign an executive order and just take them? You don't really need an AR-15. No, but they're fun. Absolutely. So are bump stocks. Where's, where, does that, <laughs> where does that logic end? We, I think it's up to you and I to find where that logic no longer makes sense. Right. So uh, landmines. I'm sure they're so much fun. We, we, I think we've all agreed that we can't have landmines. Uh, it's kind of a, an international order now. In fact, that, that's, uh, that's on my side is that we all agreed worldwide, one world order, no more landmines. Yeah. We are like, yeah, sure. No landmines. Yeah, now, now we just have to find the difference. You won't even know it's coming. <laughs> 3D printed guns, which I think we should have, and landmines, which I don't think we should have. There's somewhere in the middle we have to find where we're like, well, this makes sense and this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think my issue with the 3D printed gun is it can get through security. It doesn't set off metal detectors. And that's uh Yeah, I don't think that's a good uh, I don't think that's a good thing. You and I both remember 9-11, and we, we, every time TSA pisses me off, I'm like, you know what? They're not the best at this, uh, but I'm sure it's doing some good. There's some crazy that doesn't have a knife on them right now on this plane. You know? Uh, I agree I that we shouldn't have them, but at the same time, I don't know how to stop it. I, I don't know how... Well, you're not, yeah, you're, you're not going... It's impossible. Yeah. I can't stop you from buying a 3D printer, and I definitely can't stop you from downloading... A code file to print. A code file to print things. So, in this regard, I I think we just switched. But I'm 
I don't know what the government could do, and I don't think the government should waste any resources on trying to stop it because it's it's like the war on drugs. You, you just you're going to lose, right? You're you're too far behind, and well, it's funny. Even on that, even on that uh, note, they're in they're in their own way, you know. Like, like California, for example, still has a very live and, and vibrant uh, black market uh, weed uh, market because the taxes are so damn high. People are still like, oh, I can still get it from my guy down the street for half the price, you know? So it's like they're, they're fighting the war on drugs on themselves. It's, it's pretty comical. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that you and I can both agree that we've, we've lost the war on drugs and we should just kind of. Yeah. That it go away. I think, I think we lost. I think we fought a long, hard war and I think we lost that one. Now there are, you know, there are some things, um, you know, uh, around here in the Midwest, there's a lot of meth. Um, and I think those task force probably do a lot of good. Um, you know, I've heard some horror stories around, you know, kids, you know, getting half their face blown off because mommy and daddy were making meth in the bathtub. You know what I'm saying? Like crazy shit like that. Like those task force need to be in place. I think, you know, like, let's not, how far this war on drugs are we talking here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, cause that kind of stuff we should probably still invest in, in my opinion. Absolutely. Back to my, the services that the government can provide. Right. so, yeah, maybe we have shifted here. I hope that everybody who's listening will know that Mike Cooper and I completely disagree on so many topics and we can still talk about this. We can still, uh, when I get a phone call for another designer or a, an MA2 programmer, I'm going to reach out to Mike and I'm definitely going to reach out anytime I need road Wi-Fi. And I, I hope that anybody's listening will know that we can have these discussions in our uh, industry and not, not dox anybody over them. Yeah. Our time is coming to an end. Do you have anything? Do you want to mention the, the website, Mike? What, road Wi-Fi's website? Yes, please. Sure, yeah. Um, you can check us out at road-wifi.com. Um, get in touch with me there. Uh, we get you set up. And uh, yeah, here in, let's see, I don't know when this will air, but uh, the Nashville office should be up and running pretty soon. That's at Soundcheck Studios, uh, 750 Cowan Street. Right on, man. Thanks for talking. I'm sure we will continue this off offline. And uh, I really appreciate talking to you, buddy. Anytime, Chris. It's always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll see you.